0: Chapter 15 of The Defiant Agents This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by R.J. Davis The Defiant Agents by Andre Norton Chapter 15 They camped another two days near the wrecked ship while Manuelito prowled to the haunted quarters and cabins in his spacesuit, planning his booby trap. At night he drew diagrams on pieces of bark and discussed the possibility of this or that device, sometimes lapsing into technicalities his companions could not follow. But Travis was well satisfied that Manuelito knew what he was doing. On the morning of the third day, Nolan slipped into their midst. He was dust-grimed, his face gaunt, the signs of hard travel plain to read. Travis handed him the nearest canteen, and they watched him drink sparingly in small sips before he spoke. They come with the girl. You had trouble? asked Julie. The Tartars had moved their camp, which was only wise, since the Reds must have had a line on the other one, and they are now farther to the west. But— He wiped his lips with the back of his hand. Also, we saw your towers, Fox, and that is a place of power. No sign that the Reds are prowling there? Nolan shook his head. To my mind, the mist there concealed the towers from aerial view. Only one coming on foot could tell them from the natural crags of the hills. Travis relaxed. Time still granted them a margin of grace. He glanced up to see Nolan smiling faintly. This maiden, she is akin to the puma of the mountains, he announced. She has marked Tasse with her claws until he looks like the ear-clipped yearling fresh from the branding chute. She is not hurt, Travis demanded. This time no one chuckled openly. Hurt? No, we had much to do to keep her from hurting us, younger brother. That one is truly, as she claims, a daughter of Wook as she is also keen-witted, marking a return trail all the way. Though she does not know that is as we wish. Did we not pick the easiest way back for just that reason? Yes, she plans to escape. Travis stood up. Let us finish this quickly. His voice came out on a rough note. This plan had never had his full approval. Now he found it less and less easy to think about taking Cadesa into the ship, allowing the emotional torment lurking there to work upon her. Yet he knew that the girl would not be hurt, and he had made sure he would be beside her within the globe, sharing with her the horror of the unseen. A rattling of gravel down the narrow valley opening gave warning to those by the campfire. Manuelito had already stowed the space suit in hiding. To Cadessa, they must have seemed reverted entirely to savagery. Tasse came first, an angry raking of four parallel scratches down his left cheek. And behind him, Buck and Escata shoved the prisoner, urging her on with a show of roughness, which did not descend to actual brutality. Her long braids had shaken loose, and a sleeve was torn, leaving one slender arm bare, but none of the fighting spirits had left her. They thrust her out into the circle of waiting men, and she planted her feet firmly apart, glaring at them all indiscriminately until she sighted Travis. Then her anger became hotter and more deadly. "Pig, ruder in the dirt, diseased camel, she shouted at him in English, and then reverted to her own tongue, her voice riding up and down the scale. Her hands were tied behind her back, but there were no bonds on her tongue. This is one who can speak thunders and shoot lightnings from her mouth, Buck commented in Apache. Put her well away from the wood, lest she set it aflame. Tashay held his hands over his ears. She can deafen a man when she cannot set her mark on him otherwise. Let us speedily get rid of her. Yet for all their jeering comments, Their eyes held respect. Often in the past, a defiant captive who stood up boldly to his captors had received more consideration than usual from Apache warriors. Courage was a quality they prized. A eye such as Tom Jeffers, who rode into Cochise's camp and sat in the midst of his sworn enemies for a parley, won the friendship of the very chief he had been fighting. Cadessa had more influence with her captors than she could dream of holding. Now it was time for Travis to play his part. He caught the girl's shoulder and pushed her before him toward the wreck. Some of the spirit seemed to have left her thin, tense body, and she went without any more fight. Only when they came into full view of the ship did she falter. Travis heard her breathe a gasp of surprise. As they had planned, for the Apaches, Jill Lee, Tashay, Nolan, and Buck, fanned out toward the heights above the ship. Manuelito had already gone to cover to don the spacesuit and prepare for any accident. Resolutely, Travis continued to propel Cadessa ahead. At the moment, he did not know which was worse, to enter the ship expecting the fear to strike or to meet it unprepared. He was ready to refuse to enter, not to allow the girl, sullenly plodding on under his compulsion to face that unseen but potent danger. Only the memory of the towers and the threat of the reds finding and exploiting the treasure there kept him going. Eskelta went first, climbing to the tear. Travis cut the ropes binding Cadessa's wrist and gave her a slight slap between the shoulders. Climb woman. His anxiety made that a harsh order, and she climbed. Eskelda was inside now, heading for the cavern, which might reasonably be selected as a prison. They planned to get the girl as far as that point, and then stage their act of being overcome by fear, allowing her to escape. Stage an act? Travis was not two feet along that corridor before he knew that there would be little acting needed on his part. The thing which pervaded the ship did not attack sharply, rather it seeped into his mind and body as if he drew in poison with every breath, sent it racing along his veins with every beat of a laboring heart. Yet he could not put any name to his feelings except an awful, weakening fear which weighted him heavier with every step he took. kadesa screamed, not this time enraged, but with such fear that Travis lost his hold, staggered back to the wall. She whirled about, her face contorted and sprang at him. It was indeed like trying to fight a wildcat, and after the first second or two, he was hard put to protect his eyes, his face, his side, without injuring her in return. She scrambled over him, running for the break in the wall, and disappeared. Travis gasped and started to crawl for the break, as Kelta loomed over him, pulling him up in haste. They reached the opening but did not climb through. Travis was uncertain as to whether he could make that descent yet, and as was obeying orders in not venturing out too soon. Below the ground was bare. There was no sign of the Apaches, though they were in hiding there, and none of Cadessa. Travis was amazed that she had vanished so quickly. Still uneasy from the emulation within, they perched within the shadow of the break until Travis thought that the fugitive had a good five-minute start. Then he nodded a signal to Eskelta. By the time they reached ground level, Travis felt a warm wetness spreading under his shielding palm, and he knew the wound had opened he spoke a word or two in hot protest against that mishap, knowing it would keep him from the trail. Kadesa must be covered all the way back across the pass, not only to be shepherded away from her people and toward the plains where she could be picked up by a red patrol, but also to keep her from danger. And he had planned from the first to be one of those shepherds. Now he was about as much used as a trail-lane pony. However, he could send deputies. He thought out his call, and Nilekiayu's head appeared in a frame of brush. Go, both of you, and run with her. Guard. He said the words in a whisper, fought them with a fierce intensity as he centered his gaze on the yellow eyes in the pointed coyote face. There was a feeling of assent, and then the animal was gone. Travis sighed. The Apache scouts were subtle and alert, but the coyotes could far outdo any man. With Nareki Dayu and Naginta blanking her flight, Kadesa would be well guarded. She would probably never see her guards or know that they were running protection for her. That was a good move, Gile Lee said, coming out of concealment. But what have you done to yourself? He stepped closer, pulling Travis's hand away from his side. By the time Luffy came to report, Travis was again wound in a strapping bandage, pulled tightly about his lower ribs, and reconciled to the fact that any trailing he would do must be well to the rear of the first party. The towers, he said to Jill Lee, if our plan works, we can catch part of the Reds here. But we still have their ship to take, and for that we need help which we may find at the towers. Or at least we can be on guard there if they return with Kaydessa on that path. Loopy dropped down lightly from an upper ledge. He was grinning. That woman is one who thinks. She runs from the ship first as a rabbit with a wolf at her heels. Then she begins to think. She climbs. He lifted one finger to the slope behind him. She goes behind a rock to watch undercover. When Fox comes from the ship with Eskelta, again she climbs. Buck lets himself be seen, so she moves east as we wish. And now, questioned Travis. She is keeping to the highways. Almost, she thinks like one of the people on the war trail. Nolan believes she will hold up for the night somewhere above. He will make sure. Travis licked his lips. She has no food or water. Julie's lips shaped a smile. They will see that she comes upon both as if by chance. We have planned all of this, as you know, younger brother. That was true. Travis knew that Cadessa would be guided without her knowledge by the accidental appearance now and then of some pursuer. Just enough to push her alone. Then too, she is now armed, Julie added. How? demanded Travis. "'Look to your own belt, younger brother. Where is your knife?' Startled, Travis glanced down. His sheath was empty, and he had not needed that blade since he had drawn it to cut meat at the morning meal. Loopy laughed. She had steel in her hand when she came out of that ghost ship. Took it from me while we struggled,' Travis was openly surprised. He had considered the frenzy displayed by the Tartar girl as an outburst of almost mindless terror. Yet Cadessa had had wit enough to take his knife. Could this be another case where one race was less affected by a mind machine than the other? Just as the Apaches had not been governed by the red collar, so the Tartars might not be as sensitive to the Redax. She is a strong one, that woman one worth many ponies. Eskelto reverted to the old measure of a wife's value. That is true, Travis agreed empathically, and then was annoyed at the broadening of Jill Lee's smile. Abruptly, he changed the subject. Manuelito is setting the booby trap in a ship. That is well. He and Eskelto will remain here, and you with them. Not so. We must go to the towers. Travis protested. I thought, Jill Lee, cut in that you believe the weapons of the old ones too dangerous for us to use. Maybe they will be forced into our hands, but we must be sure the towers are not entered by the Reds on their way here. That is reasonable, but for you, younger brother, no trailing today, perhaps not tomorrow. If that wound opens again, you might have much bad trouble. Travis was forced to accept that in spite of his worry and impatience, and the next day when he did move on, he had only the report that Cadessa had sheltered beside a pool for the night and was doggedly moving back across the mountains. Three days later, Travis, Julie, and Buck came into the Tower Valley. Cadessa was in the northern foothills, twice turned back from the west and the freedom of the outlaws by the Apache Scouts and only half an hour before, Tasse had reported by mere what should have been welcome news. The red helicopter was cruising as it had on the day they watched the hunters enter the uplands. There was an excellent chance of the fugitives being sighted and picked up soon. Tasse had also spotted a party of three Tartars watching the helicopter, but after one wide sweep of the flyer they had taken to their ponies, had ridden away at the fastest pace their mounts could manage in this rough territory. On a stretch of smooth earth, Buck scratched a trail and they studied it. The Reds would have to follow this route to seek the wrecked ship, a route covered by Apache sentinels, and following the chain of communication, the result of the trap would be reported to the party at the towers. The waiting was the most difficult. Too many imponderables did not allow for unemotional thinking. Travis was down to the last shred of patience when word came on the second morning at the hidden valley that Cadessa had been picked up by a red patrol, drawn out to meet them by the collar. Now, the tower weapons, Buck answered the report with an imperative order to Travis, and the other knew he could no longer postpone the inevitable and only by action could he blot out the haunting mental picture of Cadessa once more drawn into the bondage she so hated. Flanked by Jill Lee and Buck, he climbed back through the tower window and faced the glowing pillar. He crossed the room, put out both hands to the sleek pole, uncertain if the weird transport would work again. He heard the sharp gasp from the others as his body was sucked against the pillar and carried downward through the well. Buck followed him, and Jill Lee came last. Then Travis led the way along the underground corridor to the room with the table and a reader. He sat down on the bench, fumbled with the pile of tape discs, knowing that the other two were watching him with almost hostile intentness. He snapped a disc into the reader, hoping he could correctly interpret the directions it gave. He looked up at the wall before him. Three, four steps, the correct move, and then an unlocking. You know, Buck demanded, I can guess. Well, Jill Lee moved to the table. What do we do? This. Travis came from behind the table, walked to the wall. He put out both hands, flattened his palms against the green-blue-purple surface, and slid them slowly along. Under his touch, the material of the wall was cool and hard, unlike the live feel the pillar had. Cool until one palm held at arm's length had found the right spot. He slid the other hand along in the opposite direction until his arms were level with his shoulders. His fingers were able now to press on those points of warmth. Travis tense and pushed hard with all ten fingers. This concludes the reading of chapter 15.